0: Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special edition of We Gotta Talk. I am so, so glad you're here. If you're watching on video, this is the episode that we want you dropping questions for. Today, as my guest, I have world-renowned forensic pathologist, a man who was consulted on some of the biggest mysterious death murder cases of modern times, including Robert F. Kennedy, Elvis Presley, Kurt Cobain, Jean-Benet Ramsey, uh, Lacey Peterson. But what we're focusing on today is the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Dr. Cyril Wecht is in a world known name. And as I just mentioned, he has consulted on the biggest cases worldwide. He just came out with a book recently called The JFK Assassination Dissected. And he also consulted on an Oliver Stone documentary that's currently playing and streaming called Through the Looking Glass, where he offers his very unique perspective on what really happened that day in 1963. So without further ado, we wanna welcome Dr. Cyril Weck to the show. And Dr. Weck, thank you so much for taking time to be on this program.
1: Thank you, Ms. Avada, a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you. So um, I think you have been very vocal about this in interviews past, but just to lead off once and for all, is it your belief that one more than one person is responsible for the assassination of JFK?
1: Yes, I believe there were two shooters, definitely one from the rear and one from the right front behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll.
0: I think we have to ask this question going into it because we'll get into the details of why you believe what you believe. And certainly in the book, it's supported by tons of evidence and interviews. But I want to ask you too, why you think the fascination with this case remains so strong even today?
1: Well, it was the president of the United States of America, of our country, who was assassinated in broad daylight in the fourth largest city of the country. And uh, the case was left over and still is being ignored and sequestered by the federal government. This was the overthrow of the government by the assassination of the leader. Uh, this was a coup d'état in America. You can't let something like this uh, pass by. First of all, there's no statute of limitations on murder, but that's not the point. Uh, that person or persons, they're very likely dead by now. But the agencies behind them who executed, orchestrated, and uh, handled uh, the uh, post-assassination cover-up, those have to be exposed so that there is no possible danger or even likelihood of something like this occurring again. This is our great country. This is not some third world totalitarian nation. So you say, so what? This dictator is overthrown. That dictator is overthrown. That's not the way we do things in America. This should never be forgotten until the truth has been exposed.
0: Well, that, I think that gets to the heart of the issue. This is not how things are done in America. And I think for most Americans, the initial findings didn't pass the sniff test. So no. if we had thought collectively, OK, well, this all makes sense, feels like the, the loose ends have been tied up, many of us would have moved on. But I think you're exactly right. It taps into that very real fear that we have that maybe our government isn't as open or as sharing of facts as we want to believe they are. I don't want to get into too many theories that are conspiracy theories, Dr. Reich, but I'm you, you have lived. Long enough and have worked long enough with various echelons of government um, to have a good answer to this question. Is there always more to the story when the government is involved?
1: Well, um, yes, uh, Sonny, um, um the naivete of Americans uh, is uh, something fantastic, as well as, and I don't mean to insult anybody individually or collectively. But the political ignorance, in the words of Winston Churchill, the strongest argument against democracy is a ten-minute conversation with the average voter. (laughs) Think, think about that. So uh, you know, uh, we're we're still learning things today about matters that were covered up from World War II, from the Korean War, from the Vietnam War. We're still learning things today. Prior to the Watergate episode um in the 1960s and and so on prior to that time uh, nobody really questioned seriously there were a couple of exceptions but for the most part nobody questioned official word from the federal government we just uh, believed passively naively stupidly that uh, the federal government was saying this and therefore that was accurate valid information well We've come to learn that that's not the case. And while there there have been changes of a dramatic nature since the mid late 60s for different reasons, um, uh, that kind of thing still goes on to some extent, although not as blatantly and extensively and deep rooted as it did before Mm -hmm. because of uh, the way in which things happened Uh, regrettably in this country, Americans have come to learn that they better question. And investigative reporters like you and your colleagues across the board in television and print media and radio and investigative reporting generally have come to delve deeply and not simply accept the uh, simple answers set forth by the feds.
0: Yeah, just one other side note before we dig in. I read your chapter on Dan Rather in the contentious moments that you had with him where he frankly cut out large portions of your oh, interviews that, was, that you gave. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the good thing about podcasts, Dr. Wegg. We don't have to answer to the same people that CBS reporters do. I mean, it's a little more of a wild-bound Wild West territory, but the very theory of digging deeper and investigating and asking questions and questioning our systems – really is a, a, a new thing that we're able to explore more with digital technology. Yes. So I, for one, yes. am grateful because you can walk around saying what you're saying right now, which is the single shooter theory is bunk and no one's going to look at you like you're crazy anymore.
1: That's that that's right. And uh, especially if you're beautiful, uh, like uh, somebody I know uh, that I'm <laughs> seeing on my screen right now, Oh, answer, gosh, nobody's going to ask any questions.
0: <laughs> well, we have a lot of questions to get to, so let's dive right in. Um, I want you to walk us back, and you go through this very eloquently in the documentary that's out right now, as well as your book, where you were on the day of the assassination in 1963, and how you became involved in the in the findings that sort of happened after the autopsy. So walk us back quickly to where you were that day.
1: Okay, so where I was, it almost sounds like I'm making this up, but it's the truth. Um, there I was in the autopsy room of the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office with my dear friend and respected colleague, still today, Dr. Tom Noguchi. Uh, we were looking at some cases that were gonna be autopsied, one of which was a gunshot wound. A secretary burst into the room, pulled Dr. Noguchi aside, whispered in his ear, and his complexion had changed. And he told me that President Kennedy has just been shot. We quickly adjourned to a nearby uh, uh, restaurant tavern. There was no television set at his office. Uh, And then we followed the unfolding of the events on that day, Friday, November 22nd, 1963. I remember that vividly.
0: At what point did you get your hands on information related to the shooting? And at what point did you get your first inside look at what happened?
1: In... um, September, October of 1964, the Warren Commission report was issued. Uh, The program committee for the American Academy of Forensic Sciences, which is the largest and most prestigious group of forensic scientists in the world, has an annual meeting that takes place in late February every year. Uh, The Academy consists of numerous sections, pathology, psychiatry, criminalistics, anthropology, entomology, etc etc and they tried to pick a subject for the plenary session each section meets separately independently to some extent but there's one large plenary session they choose a subject that they believe should be of professional interest to as many of the sections as possible and they chose understandably the warren commission report for the subject to discuss at the next annual meeting i was contacted by the program committee and i was asked if i would represent the pathology section in this plenary session giving my views as a forensic pathologist i readily accepted went to the wonderful carnegie library here in pittsburgh got the 26 volume set uh, and began to look through to my amazement and (laughs) consternation there was no uh, a detailed table of contents can you believe that putting out 26 volumes that shows you right from the very beginning hey man you know we don't we're not looking for anybody to get into this okay here it is well i scrambled and scrambled and i finally found what i was looking for the autopsy report and other related matters i gave my talk at the american academy of forensic sciences then in february of 65 and that began what has become A 50, going on 55 years of my involvement uh, in this matter. Uh, I have never stopped. Not that I do this for a living. I'm very, very busy. I have been now all these years as a forensic pathologist performing um, 21,000 autopsies, reviewing, supervising, signing off on 41,000 others being a medical legal consultant to plaintiff and defense attorneys in civil cases and criminal and prosecution uh, prosecution and defense attorneys in criminal cases but this has been a passion and i'm not the least bit hesitant in saying that it has been just that a passionate affair a love affair of a very intellectual important nature and that is where things stand. I finally got around to uh, putting things together with my co-author Donna Coffin, and been working on this book for the last six years. Um, an inside look at who shot JFK. Uh, the book is uh, the book is entitled "The, um, um, uh, the di- Dissection of the Warren Commission Report" uh, by Cyril H. Wick and Do- Donna Coffin, and. Uh, what uh, brought you into the picture, yeah, thank you. At yeah, here it is right here, guys. Yes, there's the book, right. Um, is the uh, New York Post article, a very detailed, lengthy article on Sunday, February 6th, right. uh, just uh, three, four days ago. And that has led to inquiries from all over the world. I just did one yesterday, Sonny. Are you ready for this?
0: I'm from ready. M- Go ahead.
1: From Moscow. What? <laughs> That's, hey, listen,
0: let it be known for the record, Dr. Reich. I contacted you before the post got to you. It was just a scheduling issue. So be, before, We technically scooped the post, right? Before, we did be, we gotta talk. Be,
1: before Putin, yes.
0: Uh, thank <laughs> That's you, right. That's <laughs> right. It's the only thing I would ever win uh, against him in a matchup. Um, I want to just ask us right off the top because we will get into the details. What is the single biggest critique? of the single shooter theory? After digging through all of the papers, all the evidence that you've seen, what is the one glaring thing that in your opinion proves that this cannot be the work of a lone gunman?
1: Well, if I have to pick one, it is undoubtedly what the Warren Commission called the single bullet theory, what Mark Lane and other Warren Commission critic researchers before me and I have dubbed the magic bullet theory. They had a real problem Um, the temporal incongruity between the timing of the Zapruder film depicting the shots when they were fired, striking Kennedy and Governor Connolly in front of him, and uh, the timing of the shooting of that uh, terrible weapon, the non-automatic single bolt action, Manneker Carcano. And that led them to having to come up with an answer. And their answer was, well, what if one bullet produced seven wounds in two men? That is the single bullet theory. They've got a bullet going into Kennedy's back, six inches below the shoulder level, moving upward to begin with, upward, 11.5 degrees, uh, having been fired, according to them, from the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. How do you get a shot coming downward uh, and then moving upward 11.5 degrees? And then after the bullet exits Kennedy's neck, it's moving to the left. It turns in midair, comes back 18, 20 inches, strikes Conley behind the right armpit, right posterior axillary area, using the autopsy terms, um, and then moves down at a 27-degree angle, exiting below nipple level. Conley is shown clearly with the white Stetson hat at the shoulder level clearly right there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the bullet moving 2100 feet per second obviously is in and out of kennedy and in and out of Connolly according to them uh, in a millisecond so the bullet moving downward below nipple level comes up and around and backward hitting the wrist breaking the right radius a uh, comminuted fracture one of two large bones uh from the elbow to the wrist exits from the front of the right, right wrist moves downward at a 45 degree angle into Conley's left thigh. Not seen or found or depicted radiologically in any way by the medical personnel at Parkland Hospital dealing uh, with and treating Conley until a couple of hours later, a maintenance man Daryl Tomlinson, by name, trying to get to the men's room, finding the ER corridor blocked by stretchers, (laughs) bent over, moved the stretcher, and lo and behold, there was this bullet, Commission Exhibit 399, the hero of the Warren Commission Report. Copper jacketed, lead core bullet, completely pristine, no deformity, except for a little bit at the base from the impact of the firing mechanism, but no deformity at all. And the jacket of the bullet, the nose, the cone, it had destroyed four inches of Governor Connolly's right fifth rib and caused that comminuted fracture of the radius. And Connolly was a six foot four, bone, a big bone Texan, you know, not a, a delicate uh, young woman uh, like you, uh, breaking those two large bones, emerging with a weight loss of only one and a half percent. 161 grains going in, 158.6 grains coming out, uh, leaving pieces of itself in four anatomic locations of Kennedy and Connolly, and all of those pieces together quantitating to only 1.5%. The deformity I've talked about, the trajectory I've talked about, that is the single-bullet theory nonsense, which has been correctly dubbed the magic bullet theory. So if you ask me to pick one single thing um, about the autopsy, I would say that the second thing um, that should be pointed out and every American should realize and be so disgusted and feel so angry about is that this autopsy, Sonny, A complex autopsy for the most experienced forensic pathologist. I would not like to have to. Anytime I get a multiple gunshot wound, it is a pain in the butt. You have to differentiate entrance from exit. You have to determine trajectories and angles. You have to determine what injuries were caused internally. And in this case, in addition to dealing with the multiple wounds in Kennedy, we have to correlate those wounds with the wounds in Conley you realize how formidable a task that is? So who did the federal government in this great, magnificent country of ours call upon to do this autopsy? Two naval career pathologists, Humes and Boswell by name, at Bethesda Naval Hospital, who had never done a single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. I want you to think about that. I want to repeat that for anybody out there that is still thinking that the Warren Commission report is correct, Wecht is a lunatic, and blah, 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 please know the autopsy was done by two totally inexperienced, incompetent pathologists, no training in forensic pathology, who had never done a gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. And know this, then, as the corollary to that, Sonny, that the foremost... Forensic pathologists in the country were located within one hour drive or flying time of Washington, D.C., Boston, Cleveland, um, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Richmond, and even more so, forensic pathologists full time in the military were located right there in Washington, D.C., on the grounds of the Walter Reed Hospital in what was then the Mecca of pathology, the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. And these guys and I knew them. Mm-hmm. They were my colleagues. They were my contemporaries. They were not. What,
0: what are their thoughts? You know, they're knowing they're not being called to bat. Well, what, what are they saying forward? about what,
1: that? What the hell are they going to say? They're a career military yeah. pathologists. What yeah. are they going to say?
0: Well, I guess what I'm trying, trying to get at, a, was was, was there suspicion from the beginning that this wasn't being handled correctly? Because you know, we the people who correctly, weren't around don't yes. have the benefit of knowing what the what the mood was like. Were people immediately questioning the the team they were bringing in for the autopsy for the examination? Was this an immediate kind of the red flags are going out. Well, no, no, no! Immediate hindsight. Sunday. The,
1: the shooting occurred at 12:30 Central Time uh, in Texas. That's 1:30 Eastern Standard Time here. And the autopsy did not begin until about eight o'clock that night. They had all the time in the world to set things up. You know, in fact, yeah. the 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 what they did that was very very wrong, and shows you the control. They took the autopsy away from the medical examiner there in Dallas, Dr. Earl Rose, whom I knew. I met him in the Air Force. Uh, We were contemporaries. uh, They had no right to do that. But as it turned out, that would have been a real good break for them because it gave them ample time to collect their act, get things together, get the top-notch guys together, get those Mm -hmm. surgeons to fly up a couple of them from Dallas, be there at the autopsy, show Uh, what they had seen, and so on. So, no, there's no excuses. This is not procrastination, negligence. uh, uh, It's beyond stupidity. This is control. This is blatant, arrogant, military, governmental control covering up the most important event, perhaps, in the history of our country.
0: So, if we're going off of that theory, there was not one person, one bullet that did all this damage in your in my opinion, esteemed evaluation, then what is the answer? How many more were involved, do you think? And how many bullets actually were involved in either the injury or the death of those two men in
1: there? There were two shooters, one from the right rear. I personally don't think it was Oswald, but I'm not really uptight about that. My purpose and uh, goal in all this business is not to posthumously exculpate Oswald. But uh, his position doesn't fit in either. And the shooter from the front behind the picket fence uh, on the grassy knoll. Um, So those were the two shooters. The uh, proof of that uh, has been determined through radiological studies, the deposition of the metal fragments inside the brain, showing the way that bullet came in, the external topographical appearance, the descriptions of the doctors who worked on Kennedy at Parkland Hospital and so on that differ vastly with the uh, with with what was set forth by Humes and Boswell in the autopsy room that night. Can you imagine whose word do you take? These good old boys from Texas who had no 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 dog in that in that race, as they as they say, uh, who just described what they saw, or these two military pathologists who are controlled by the yeah. way in that regard let me let me share with you a fascinating call i had day before yesterday a doctor emailed me he had seen the uh, new york post article uh, never met him he had been in the coroner's office of uh, new orleans parish orleans parish when i had worked on cases there many years ago Uh, that was those were the memorial hospital cases where a whole bunch of people died suddenly inexplicably uh but that's that's i don't want to digress look it up sometime memorial hospital and he wanted to share something with me he's a, a respected anesthesiologist he told me then that he had a discussion with a pathology resident who was in the navy at that time working um on the assassination the autopsy of kennedy at bethesda naval hospital who told him even gave me the guy's name that he and the others were told that if you ever say anything about what you have seen or done here today your family will be killed
0: what this, is what
1: this doctor told me two days ago a very sound sane solid guy he even gave me the name of the pathologist who uh, who, who told him this and so on? Uh, so, uh, what was I mean, his involvement again? Is, what
0: did he this... know? What did he potentially know that this? Well, he knew agent didn't that, that what
1: was there was not what was being yeah. described by the pathologist who did the autopsy. Wow. The the gaping wound in the back of the head, the destruction of portions of the brain located to the right rear, the cerebellum, that part of the brain that controls balance and yeah. coordination, located at the base of your skull. Um, that according to the pathologist at Bethesda, that was intact. According to 18 physicians at Parkland, including the chairman of the Department of Neurosurgery, the cerebellum had been extensively damaged. How do you like that? Who do you believe?
0: and and when did he say this threat came through? Was that immediately in the aftermath of the assassination or was no, this right, years No, right beyond. then and
1: there. Yeah, when the right autopsy was
0: being done. Okay, here's what I have to say. As someone who was not alive during that era but who's looking at this with the benefit of a little perspective and and sort of insight from experts like you who have who have weighed in on it We just, a lot of people just don't understand how this complex of a conspiracy theory involving this many tangled webs of people could last for so long. No one's cracked. No one's spoken. It's decades. And here we are still begging to know the real story. I mean, how does something like this hold up? And do you think it's going to hold up forever?
1: Well, I'll give you the answer to that. It's conjectural, but it's logical. And uh, there is no, you know, as Sherlock Holmes Said to Watson, once you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, is the answer. The answer is that the 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 small cabal, and I think you know, it couldn't have been more than a half a dozen people at the most, uh, um, current or recently retired CIA and military who got together and decided that. Uh, uh, to prevent america from going to hell in a basket with five more years of john kennedy to be followed very likely by eight years of robert kennedy 13 years is a lifetime in the socio-political development of a country they weren't just going to sit back these are powerful powerful people so people had the power to do all the things we've talked about taking the body uh out of the jurisdiction uh, of the dallas medical examiner choosing the people to do the autopsy, uh, not calling in experts. And then something very important we haven't touched upon, uh, that I, as the first person to disclose this publicly, the first non-government appointed, non-government related forensic pathologist given access to the autopsy materials um, at the National Archives in August 1972, president's brain missing. The president's brain was properly taken at the time of the autopsy, fixed in formalin to harden its consistency so that it could be properly examined two weeks later, sliced thin like a hard-boiled egg, which could not be done in the fresh state. And look at the autopsy report. It says, serial sections as side-to-side, parallel fashion of the brain are not made in order to preserve the specimen. Preserve the specimen? For whom? For Jackie Kennedy's mantlepiece, so the, the the powers that 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 existed to handle all of that, to eliminate the brain and accounted for it. yeah, those, I, I, those are part. And then one more, one more thing important mm-hmm. for you to know in the public, the news media of America went along to be kind and benign and passive and I'm not so sure I want to be, um, that they, well, they just bought into it and so on. New York Times, Washington Post, um, every major news media, ABC, NBC, CBS, everyone just bought along with it, and they did not cover it. This story and January 6, New York Post is the first time that a major newspaper in America has devoted a full spread to the coverage of this case Not because I'm the only one who has addressed it or that I only have addressed it now. I've been talking about this for 50 damn years and colleagues before me and during and since and at the present time. But this is the first time that any one of these news media have have covered it. And let me tell you something further, that while the London Times has written a story about this, and I've been interviewed from Moscow and interviewed by wonderful people like you and others on different podcasts and so on. Not one of the major news media here in America has contacted Cyril Wecht. Not that I need this, I'm busy enough, but not one of them has contacted me like you and two dozen others like you that I've been dealing with over the past week or so. And these foreign countries, can you believe that? Not one. What does that that tell you? What does that tell you?
0: You know what that tells me? That tells me that there is an American population eager to eat up a story, to be comforted, to be held, and to put it away where they want it to be put, which is in the past, which is unfortunate because you're right. When there's more to be told, we we should know the whole thing. I you know it's. I, I wish I could get into the minds of the average American in that time. And obviously, information traveled a little bit slower. I'd like to give the benefit of the doubt to media back then, but I, I mean, you know, it's hard to believe there's no complicity when you hard when you hear someone like you that talk. They,
1: that they did not ask a question. Why, why do you have these two naval pathologists doing this autopsy instead of forensic pathologists? Yeah. Hard I had to believe that they didn't have any questions. About the brain missing. Right. Hard to Let's... believe about the discrepancies and serious significant differences of observations by the doctors at Parkland and Dallas and the people that did the autopsy. How, how can you believe that the mm-hmm. omniscient, omnipotent, God Almighty, uh, New York uh, Times and Wall Street Journal uh, with their reporters were imbeciles? Total, total uh, yeah. stupid imbeciles? No way in the world. No way in the world. Um, and uh, and 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 you know their their uh, journalistic um, progeny, they've fallen in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've told, they don't cover the story. Uh, and I know I've heard from a few of them that uh, told me uh, privately, attended some of our conferences here in Pittsburgh at Duquesne University. Uh, you know, they were told yeah. just back off. Here's well, the there's, there's
0: a new generation of, of journalists and of media out there. And, and we said this at the top, and I do believe that this era of digital information and digital sharing of facts and interviews, I, I hope that it is something that changes. The changes, the future. I want to get into this specifically, and we've had, by the way, some live questions coming in as we're talking. This um, answers a couple of people's questions on this topic. All right, we'll
1: have to move along then, Sunny. Please. Yeah, yeah.
0: We got, we got. How much time do we have left? So I can, I can keep track. It's, uh, it's twelve forty six. How much time do we have left? Fifteen minutes. I'm going to go forward 15 minutes or so. I think your connection is slow. So let me ask this question. Hopefully you're going to hear it. Okay. So in the book, we hear a lot or we read a lot about this underlying tension between JFK and the CIA. A lot of theorists say this could be, could have been the sort of driving force to concoct this assassination. Tell us more about what you've uncovered about those issues that may open the door to that possibility. And is that really what was behind this all?
1: Thank you for raising that. Alan Dulles, who had been head of the CIA uh, following the Bay of Pigs debacle and others, uh, Alan Dulles was removed by President Kennedy as the director of the CIA. So who then gets appointed to the Warren Commission? Who attends most of the meetings that others were too busy? Chief Justice Warren and uh, Senator Russell and Congressman Boggs. Who attends most of the meetings and controls things? Alan Dulles. If you read that in the novel, you'd say, Come on, uh yeah. Mr. Novelist, this is asking me to accept a little too much. How do you like that?
0: Yeah, that's that's I mean, so give us say you're you're writing you are writing the book on this, but say you're giving us the, in your opinion, full rundown on what happened that day, and we got to assemble the cast of characters. Who's on the list of bad guys? Who is the reason well, I, why I, or I, how this I happened? Don't,
1: I don't know them by name. I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm afraid at this point in my life. Uh, the worst that'll happen is someone will assassinate me, and I'll become a hero that my children, my grandchildren, and great grandchildren can read about. So, but I don't know their names. I can only tell you that the only kinds of people who would have been able uh, to effectuate this sort of total, total, um, diabolical plot and cover it up would have been some top level CIA and military. And they were concerned about what America was doing. They were concerned John Kennedy was noted in his office with Senator Mansfield, then majority leader. He took a piece of paper, he tore it up, threw it into the air and he said, this is what I intend to do to the CIA. Sonny, the CIA was its own government. Its own government. They effectuated assassinations and overthrows of government throughout the world anytime, in any place they felt that somebody was there who, whose actions were inimical to the best interests of America. Our Ben's in Guatemala, uh, Allende in Chile, the Ing-DM brothers in Vietnam, uh, Mossadegh in Iran, Lumumba in Africa, the CIA, they did whatever the hell they wanted to do. And so now it was time that either they were going to prevail or just they were going to sit back for 13 years of the Kennedys. And that was the decision that was made. And that is why... They overthrew the government.
0: What was so bad about 13 years of the Kennedys? Again, this is coming from someone who didn't live in that era. We know, I know him as a historical figure who was looked kindly upon. So as a newer person to this story, I think, I mean, not to, this is like not intended to be a political endorsement in a very still active political family, but what were they thinking was so bad about 13 years of Kennedys?
1: Well, domestically... Uh, they were concerned about what Kennedy was talking about, voting rights and civil rights mm-hmm. and so on, all matters which came to fruition, uh, ironically, under Johnson and a few years thereafter. Um, but uh, internationally, as I have pointed out, they were very, very disturbed and concerned and highly offended by Kennedy's intrusion into their actions. They felt they're the super patriots, Sonny, mm-hmm. when you see the stars... The, the flag flying and hear the Star Spangled Banner being sung. You and I, were just, you know, regular American citizens and average patriots. They see and hear something that we are incapable of comprehending. We don't have the sensory perceptive powers that they do. They know what is good for America. And what was good for America was get back on the track and make damn sure that we didn't go down 13 more years of what the Kennedys were... John Kennedy, and likely to be followed by Robert Kennedy, what they were espousing.
0: Well, you're just making me terrified to be an American right now, doctor. Well, <laughs> not now.
1: I, I don't. Not think, now. No, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think we can just, you know, accept everything. We we know. Look right. at all the confusion vis-a-vis COVID and uh, uh, and the confusion about other matters, uh, Afghanistan, and so on. So I'm not suggesting that we yeah. all of a sudden say everything is fine, but I don't believe that we are in a position like that of such a potential danger as we were naively through the post-World War II years. You know, even General Eisenhower warned about that. Look it up, Google. He talked about a military industrial complex. General Eisenhower in the 50s said this. So he saw something um, with, with his knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. that Americans, you know, again, just naively.
0: Oh, gosh, to, I, I want to I wanna interview you for five hours and get all the way to modern day times and see what you think about what's happening politically now. I know we don't have time for that. I want to circle back to Lee Harvey Oswald the person who took the fall or did it, depending on what version of the narrative you believe. But um, you actually talk in your book about an interesting interaction you had with his wife and the many sides of this man that we sort of came to know as this story unfolded. Uh, Can you decisively say at this point whether or not you think he was? I know you said that it, it doesn't really matter, sort of in the grand scheme of things, but I, who was I, Lee Harvey Oswald and was he that agent that that modern times have told us he is? You
1: know, Oswald stationed at Atsugi Air Base in Japan, a high mission base uh, from which U-2 flights took off and so on. There was the famous Francis Gary Powers, U-2 flight shot down by Russians and so on. And he applies for a medical discharge um, because he says his, his mother needs him. His mother Bruise her nose one day at work. Oswald got a medical discharge. I was in the Air Force. I was a captain for two years. I tried to help a couple of people get out on hardship medical discharges. Tough as hell. Tough yeah. as hell. And yet he got out, cleared, came back to America. Um, in a few days, he left, took off for Russia. He had married the niece of a high ranking KGB colonel. KGB colonel. And he came back to America, never, never extensively interrogated and so on, goes back to Russia, is there for two and a half years, uh, and so on, and then marries Marina then and so on. Uh, Unbelievable. I met, had a lovely luncheon meeting and some continuing uh, communications with Marina Oswald thereafter, a very lovely uh, woman. Um, She felt strongly that uh, no way that Oswald would have killed Kennedy, that he admired Kennedy she did not um have positive feelings about oswald he was not a good father he was not a good husband he really was not a a good person um i think that oswald had some kind of a cia connection which is why he was discharged and why he went back to russia and stayed there for two and a half years and so on uh some kind of cia connection but i believe in his words when he said in that famous scene uh at the uh, <clears throat> safety, public safety building in Dallas when he was arrested. I'm I'm a patsy. I did not shoot anybody. I believe him.
0: We're getting a question here, Dr. Wecht, about um, some other video that was taken by a female that was allegedly better than the Subruder footage. Um, can you speak to that? And I know you're running out of time, so don't worry, because we'll wrap soon.
1: Yeah, I have to wrap it up then. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What did you say?
0: Just one quick question about the other video that was taken by someone that was allegedly better than the Zapruder footage. What do you know, if anything, about that?
1: Well, um, there uh, were various shots taken, uh, Sonny, um, um, by a couple of people, photographs. And um, um, I don't know of a film that... uh, is more important than the Zapruder film. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're referring to. Um, that was I, um, a viewer
0: question. There, okay. Well, yeah, we can move on. Get, tell me this: How much time do you have left? Because I want to make sure I'm we get wrap in it up in five
1: can. minutes, please. Five
0: minutes. Okay, we can do this. All right, let me get through this. Um, will there ever be a point where everything is is declassified and we are able to see it all? Do you envision a time when that's happening?
1: The uh, scheduled release now of all the documents is December of this year. Um, Two and a half years ago, Trump was supposed to have released them. He said he was going to, and he changed his mind overnight. Um, Mm -hmm. Biden was to have released them uh, half a year ago uh, or less, and he held back most. And now we'll see what happens in December. Uh, Why? They say in 1963 that Oswald, according to them, a single guy committing this execution and so on, that to release information now in 2022 would be harmful, would be harmful to the uh, safety interest of America. You like that? You yeah. explain that hmm. to me. You explain that to me.
0: But well, we're on thin ice in this country. As you know, we are a country divided politically and in so oh, many yes. ways. And they, like you oh, said, boy. they have that ESP. They know that that little... Uh, straw can break the camel's back, and who knows, maybe that's, that's right. maybe that's what's at the, the root of it. Give us one more quick thought on this case. And guys, again, the book is called The JFK Assassination Dissected. It's available on Amazon and online. But Dr. Wex, so that we can wrap things up and sort of put a nice bow on this before we let you go, what is what is the one thing you want the American public in this day and age to know that you feel like we have been lied to, have been not given the complete picture on when it comes to this case?
1: I want the American public to know just what you have said and to see to it that their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, who are only learning about this from two sentences in their history books in high school and college, that uh, President Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963. Lee Harvey Oswald was a sole assassin. And then they move on. I want them to know that that is not the truth. I want them to go to their school libraries and tell the librarian to take the 26 volumes of the Warren Commission and not throw them away by all means, keep them, but move them where they properly belong and should be cataloged along with Huckleberry Finn, uh, Tom Sawyer and 20,000 leagues under the sea. That's what I want them to know. I want them to know that uh, uh, there was a coup d'etat in America, that there was an assassination of our president by Americans, not Chinese, Russians or Cubans, but by Americans. Those are the things I want them to know. As unpleasant, as uncomfortable as it is, know that and pursue it. And don't ever stop thinking about it and agitating uh, your uh, uh, congressional leaders and others about this. And maybe, maybe one day the truth will emerge.
0: I hope you are here to see it, Dr. Wex. You are probably my favorite interview ever. A long time ago, I I interviewed you back in Pittsburgh. I went into the morgue with you. It was scary. It was terrifying. It smelled weird, but you are fascinating. And I will do everything I can to get you back on the show.
1: Sonny, it's always a pleasure. Uh, my dear, to see you and talk with you anytime, anytime. Thank you for interviewing me, spending all this time, and let us be together again um, and uh, pursue this matter further, okay?
0: Absolutely, Dr. Wecht. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so, so so much. Thanks. Oh, guys, I cannot tell you. I'm so sad we had a time restraint there, Dr. Wecht. I, I just mentioned this, but when I was a reporter working back in Pittsburgh, I went to interview him multiple times. The man is a genius. To speak to him is to take a look an, an unadulterated look into history, into some of the biggest moments that have defined history, as we just heard, American pop culture, big cases that have been covered in media. Uh, he is fascinating. And like I said at the beginning of the interview, he has consulted on literally every high profile case that you can ever have imagined, has has gone through the airwaves on Court TV or through any major American newspaper. So. Hopefully we can keep good on that promise and bring him back to talk about his career in forensic pathology and all of the uh, amazing things that he's learned along the way. But I do sincerely hope you will check out the book again. It's called the JFK assassination dissected. I grabbed my copy on Amazon. You can also check out his website, just Google Cyril Wecht and check out all of the work that he has done. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of we got to talk. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sonny Abada S O N N I. A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog.